Hi, good morning. I'm Hannah Pearson. Welcome to my house here in Holbeck. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Um, so for, for a few weeks now, we've been in a preaching series looking at prayers God loves to answer. And we're joining with really with Christians all around the world who are asking God to deepen our prayer lives with him at this crucial time. And I hope you found these messages challenging and encouraging like I have. And this morning, the prayer we're going to look at continues this theme of going deeper with Jesus, walking closely with him. We're going to talk about the prayer, God, break my heart. I'm not going to lie to you, this can be an uncomfortable prayer to pray. It doesn't fit with a God will always just make my life better style of Christianity. But when we pray it, it's got the potential to open up our hearts to the work of God in a way that can be so transformative. Because we all want to be closer to God, don't we? We all want intimacy and depth with him. We None of us just wants to skim the surface. All of us want our lives to count. We want to make a difference. We look at amazing um, stories of heroes of faith from the past and we want to be like them, don't we? People like Corrie ten Boom using her immense suffering in a Nazi concentration camp as an opportunity to share the gospel. She didn't focus on what am I lacking? She focused on God, I'm here for you. Use me however you want to. What about George Mueller looking after orphans, going way beyond his own resources to do this, putting putting himself in a place of dependence on God where he needed God to show up and provide for them miraculously. And from that place of dependence, he saw miracles happen. One of my favourites who I've been thinking a lot about recently is Susanna Wesley. So she's the mother of Charles and John Wesley, you might have heard of. They started the Methodist revival in the 18th century. And Susanna Wesley had 10 kids. Her life was crazy. But to get time alone with God, she would put her apron over her head. And her children, when they saw her do this, they knew she was not to be disturbed. This was her time to pour out her heart to God and receive his life and his power. And then she made herself available. She opened up her house to more kids to come and hear about Jesus. And suddenly it grew to 200 people cramming into her house to hear her share the gospel. She didn't have the luxury of time or space or an ordered life, but her under the apron faith moments snatched with God set a spiritual temperature in her home that led to revival. We hear these stories and we're inspired, right? We want to be like them. I want to be like them. But you know, every one of those heroes before the miracles, before the amazing stories got to the place of crying out that honest and desperate prayer, God break my heart. They were willing to go to that dangerous place, the difficult place where nothing but dependence on God exists. But from that place, they saw the power and goodness of Jesus in miraculous ways. So are we willing to go there? Are we willing to pray this prayer? We're going to look at two stories this morning. Both of them are found in Mark chapter 14. And these stories really embody this prayer, God break my heart, and they show us what it means. So we start with a woman, a sinful woman, renowned as being a prostitute, shunned by her community. And I just want you to try and put yourself in her shoes for a moment. No one grows up wanting to be a prostitute. That was not what she had dreamed for her life. 
She was in this position because life had dealt her cards that she felt had no other way of being played. Maybe you know what that feels like. She was hated by women, used by men, full of shame. But then she met a man who treated her differently. Perhaps for the first time ever, she was shown honour, respect, dignity. He loved her appropriately. It was so transforming for her that she wanted to worship him in the most sacrificial, extravagant, beautiful way she could possibly imagine. But her extravagant worship confused everyone else in the story. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you open it up to Mark chapter 14 and we're going to go down the road to Faye Simmons' house. She's going to read it for us. While Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume onto his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. So she brings this jar of perfume to Jesus and it's so valuable. It's by far her most treasured possession. It would have been worth a year's wages. But more than that, ordinary women at the time didn't wear perfume. It was like the calling card of a prostitute. So the idea was you invested all your money into perfume like this and then it became kind of the way you drew business, the, the source of your income. So that's the value of the jar that she brings to Jesus. But then what does she do with it? She breaks it and she pours it onto Jesus's head, broken and poured, broken and poured. And people freaked out. They were like, what are you doing? You're literally throwing your money away. Stop pouring now. Like give him a few drops. That's a nice gesture, but you don't need to give him the whole bottle. But she is not bothered. She pours the whole thing out on Jesus. And what she's saying by doing this is, I'm giving you my whole life. I'm giving you the most valuable possession I have. The jar represented her past and her future. She's saying, I'm leaving my past behind and I'm trusting my future to you. I'm sacrificing my life savings, my source of income. Jesus, you have offered me so much. You have loved me so much that I will break open the most valuable possession I have and pour it out for you. And she didn't know this at the time, but what she was doing here was a beautiful picture of what Jesus himself was about to do. So the next story, Jesus is having his last meal He's around the table with his closest friends and he knows what's coming. He knows he's about to die. And we pick up the story in verse 22. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup 
And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So what happened to Jesus' body? It was broken. What happened to his blood? It was poured out, broken and poured, broken and poured for us. As an act of selfless love and devotion towards us, Jesus' body was broken and poured out for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be made right with God, holy and blameless, acceptable to him. And Mark, who wrote this account of the story, he was actually there. He was sitting around the table with Jesus. And someone else who was there was a guy called Luke, and he also wrote an account of the story. And in his version, he records Jesus saying, just after he breaks the bread and and pours out the wine, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And this is why we take communion, which we're going to do together in a few moments. The church throughout history, around the world, has celebrated the Lord's Supper, taking bread and wine and remembering Jesus' incredible sacrifice for us. But what if when he says, do this in remembrance of me, what if he means more than just remember my sacrifice? What if he also means just as I was broken and poured out, as you follow me, you too live lives that are broken for me and poured out for my purposes in the world. Paul talks about this in the New Testament. He describes himself being poured out like a drink offering, giving everything that he has for God's glory and his kingdom. So what would that look like? How would we follow the examples of Jesus and the woman and live broken and poured out lives? Well, number one, broken. It starts with praying for God to break our hearts, first for him and then for his world. David in Psalm 51 says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. My sacrifice is a broken and contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. It's an honest cry saying, God, I have nothing to offer, but here I am. Have my whole heart. And we want to join in this prayer, but if we're honest, there's a number of things that usually stop us praying like this. Our pride and self-sufficiency when we say, I don't need God, or I'm just living my life the way I want to. God, you can have this little bit. I'll show up for you on a Sunday, but the rest of my life is my own. Or when we're more concerned about our own reputation than about God's. Or when we fear that God's not good, that he won't protect us, that he won't give us what we need. We have this skewed understanding of God and and misunderstand just how much he loves us. It's easy for us to fall into these traps, right? It's human nature. But when we spot it, we need to come quickly to this prayer. God, break my heart, break through my sin, my pride, the things that hold me back so that I can follow you wholeheartedly. Help me surrender to you completely. Reveal yourself to me. Show me how much you love me. Remember, the woman's response to Jesus came from her revelation of who he was and how much he loved her. For me, the thing that stops me praying this prayer the most is when I'm too preoccupied with my own limitations. I feel inadequate. I, feel, I, I worry that I'm not good enough to be who God wants me to be. What if he asks me to do something I just can't do? But when I'm thinking like that, I'm totally missing the point. 
It's not about what I have, but what he has. It's not about who I am, but who he is. Lord, I feel weak. I I don't feel good enough, but I trust you. I trust that you will give me what I need. You know, in brokenness, we make peace with our weaknesses and receive mercy and grace and power. But it's hard to face up to our weaknesses, isn't it? When we see them either through self-examination or through circumstances which bring them up, when we see them, we have a choice. We can either run to God or we can push them down and ignore them or try to mitigate them ourselves. And my greatest advice to you this morning is to run to God. Let God break your heart. Meet him in your weakness. Fully depend on him. Let him heal you. Let him fill you. Your most effective ministry will come out of this place of weakness and dependence. So we're broken before God. Secondly, poured out. When we allow God to break our hearts, he starts to put the things that matter to him into our hearts. When we make ourselves available to him, he invites us into his purposes for the world, the bigger story of what he's doing. He makes us passionate about people around us, our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues who don't know him. You might have heard Christians use the phrase, oh, I've got a heart for, and it's a bit funny language, but it just means God has given me love for people and situations that I wouldn't necessarily feel on my own. Maybe it's people from other nations or a particular nation People struggling with mental health issues, the deaf community, care homes, young people, schools and education. For me, I remember really clearly when God began to break my heart for Holbeck, the community that I live in now. I'd been at university in Manchester, but visited Leeds and come to Mosaic a few times and heard about the plans for Mosaic as a church to rent the warehouse in Holbeck. And I remember going to a prayer meeting where we prayed over maps of Holbeck and we walked around and prayed in the streets. And I went home and I just couldn't stop thinking about this place. I remember Googling it and reading some of the council's description and research about Holbeck. And my heart was just stirred for this place and for people who lived here. And I felt in that moment an invitation from God to move here, to build my life here, to, to live and dwell and put down roots here. Not because I'm special or had anything to offer but simply because Jesus lives in us and so he positions us in different places around different people simply to let his presence spill out of us I love the image in 2 Corinthians 4 of says we have this treasure so the treasure of the gospel the treasure of who Jesus is we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us so my role is to be a jar of clay Nothing impressive, just a normal jar, even chipped and broken, but allowing the absolutely beautiful treasure of Jesus to just seep out of me at any opportunity. This means putting myself around people who don't know him, intentionally building relationships. It means living an open and honest life where people see the difference Jesus makes. It means taking opportunities to share about Jesus even when it feels scary. I wonder, where has he placed you? Who has he stirred your heart for? What is he breaking your heart for? And what does it mean for you to be poured out there? What might it cost you? And can you trust God for that? 
Can you pray, Lord, above my reputation, above my plans, above my resources, I choose you. I put my trust in you because you have called me by name. You have loved me and revealed your transforming power to me. God makes our heart beat for certain people and places and causes because his heart is beating for them and he wants us to be his hands and feet and go to them. This is what a poured out life looks like. And you know there's incredible freedom in this. When you know what God has broken your heart for, it suddenly becomes easier to make decisions, priorities become clearer. But there's also a danger here. It can't become about your mission. The heroes of faith I mentioned at the beginning, they didn't live to become heroes, they lived for Jesus. If our focus is on what we're doing to make our lives count, we miss the point. But if our focus is on Jesus, he makes our lives count. I love this quote from Pete Gregg, who started the 24-7 prayer movement. He says, nothing we sow for the Lord is ever wasted. No prayer, no kindness, no sacrifice. The seed may be buried for a while, but it will come to fruition in due season. So I just want to ask you this morning, do you want to live a life that is broken and poured out for Jesus? Will you follow the example of the woman and of Jesus himself? Imagine what our world could look like if we all surrendered our lives wholeheartedly to Jesus made ourselves available to him and allowed ourselves to be poured out. So what's stopping you pray like this? What's stopping you live this? I was challenged by a friend this week who was talking about the heroes of faith from the past and she said we've got to stop thinking that that was for then and not for now, that that was about that that particular time, that it couldn't happen now. All the amazing stories of moves of God in the past happened because people got on their knees and prayed, Lord, break my heart. Will we be this praying people in our times, in our generation, in our world right now?